0: Action Park Media
3: Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment food as sport food as fuel i'll talk to experts and the average person just like you and me i hate to ask you to do anything but if you're enjoying the show please take a moment to like subscribe rate review all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from my guest today is mariel hemingway she is a health advocate who has spent a lifetime studying how mental and physical health are linked She's also an author, film and television producer, and unstoppable voice in the ever-changing conversation around living a healthier, more meaningful life. We're also joined by her longtime partner, Bobby Williams, who adds a lot of insight into everything we discuss. You can find her on Instagram at Mariel Hemingway. Mariel, you've been interested in nutrition and health for a long time. What started that?
2: It's interesting. I think that I started really because I was trying to survive my family dynamic. I think that I thought if I can control food and exercise and this and that, then I can control everything that happens in my brain because I come from a pretty unstable family. I mean like we all do. We all come from whatever we come from. But I had some – you know there were there was alcoholism and drug abuse and a mother with cancer a father with heart disease and I was so I I watched my my sisters were that much older than me seven years Margot was seven years older than me and my oldest sister is still alive is eleven years older than me and I watched them and I thought I'm not going to do that so I thought in my very, very early on, when I was like 14 years old, if I can control what I put into my mouth and how much I exercise, I mean, it became obsessive. I did things that were crazy. You know, I did too much of things, but it was a wonderful kind of obsessive, addictive way to get to where I am today, which is realizing that it's all about balance. It's all about. You know, it's about learning about everything and not getting obsessed about anything. How long have you been doing the show? A year. It's awesome.
3: This is an interesting thing. I'd love to talk to you guys about this because I know you're also into the mental aspect of how, how that plays a role in health. So I don't know if you've seen this. The, and I'm, uh, This has just been on my mind because I saw it yesterday or the day before, and I have a lot of thoughts. Some of them are even conflicting thoughts. And then I, I, I have an idea of what I functionally think is the most right. But I'd love to talk to you. And I haven't read the article, so I don't know what the substance of this is. But have you seen the cosmopolitan cover with heavy girls that says this is healthy?
2: No, I, I have seen other a, versions. A version of that. I've seen many versions of that. Yeah. But is it?
4: Well, he, that's that's the is thing. That, is it sounds like a social I mean, thing of I mean, acceptance.
2: Well, and also it's like okay.
4: How heavy? We also
2: have to. It's a very it's a slippery slope well, when he, you start walking down that road because because if they're healthy, then they're healthy,
3: and they're just right. big girls exactly. But there's if they're that.
2: obese and there's fat around their organs, then is that healthy? Right. And it doesn't mean skinny is healthy.
3: I think of an image I used to love of cyclists in like the first iterations of the Tour de France, who would smoke cigarettes before they'd ride uphill because they thought it opened their lungs. But imagine if you <laughs> if you took a if you took that picture and put it on the cover of a magazine and said this is healthy. We're all going to zone in on the cigarette and go. Are you telling us that smoking cigarettes is healthy? Right. 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 That's what we do.
4: It sounds like more media horseshit.
3: Well, I I agree that individually it's possible that that girl is very healthy. By the way, one of them was doing a yoga pose where she's holding on to her toes and I can't do that. But how heavy? Right. She's pretty heavy.
4: Yeah. She looked heavy. Not obese, you know, it, it's, it's maybe, really. Yeah. It's
2: also the the time where we're we're everybody's kind of directed towards acceptance of all things. So, if that's the case, if we are, you know, we're in this time where we need to accept what is, and that exists, and that it truly does exist. But I think you just have to ask the real, the deeper question it, is it, okay, saying this is healthy, but really knowing if each individual is super healthy? That's the real question. If they're really healthy, then, you know, God bless them. And then it- there are big girls or big guys that are healthy. Right. So who's
4: who's healthier, the sumo wrestler or the hundred, you know, the, the hundred mile runner, you know,
3: right at that point, I mean, those
4: guys are both extreme and neither one of them are healthy.
3: I would assume the 100 pound runner is healthier. I would ass- that would be my assumption. But I, I think have, that we ma- I, have I no think that we're
2: culturally kind of designed to think that now. Right. But I mean back in the and the renaissance they thought heavy girl, you know, heavy girl that was beautiful and that was, you know, that was sexy and that was whatever. So I think it's about going to the extremes to get back to a norm and not everybody's the same. I mean, I think that we've gone to, you know, I my career was mostly in the '80s when everybody was too skinny and it was all about that. Nobody ate any fat. No, you know, we were all vegans and we ate no fat and we, you know, and we were starving. And that was that. And so now we're, the pendulum is swinging to say, okay, heavy is heavy is is healthy or heavy is. We need to accept this. And then there's somewhere in the middle where it's moderation. Because yeah. Because overeating is not healthy. Right. Eating, you know, processed food or chemically treated food or GMO food, that's not healthy.
3: Yeah. I I, I wonder if if we have this idea of what health is yeah. and all these metrics that we gauge health by. And then we have this one metric of weight. Yeah. And if the idea of stigmatizing that metric so much that it's can cause a a, gr- a big portion of that group to feel so much shame
0: yeah. that they're
3: not going to go out and exercise are we better off celebrating them
4: i don't know it's a difficult thing right you'll look at a football player you know i keep going back to athletes because i'm into the athletic stuff and These big guys, you know, they end up with heart attacks and all this other stuff. And Football's a rough one, right? The collisions are out of control, let's just face it. At the end of the day, you're not living long if you're a professional football player. But the metric, I think, is if you could pretty much do anything that you want to and you feel great, isn't that the metric? Then, right, then who gives a shit?
2: Yeah, then who gives a shit? I did this thing that you, that you should look at. It's a thing called Style Like You. And all these women, some men, but mostly women, these t- it's a mother and daughter and they ask you questions. I did it. I was terrified. And you're supposed and you're supposed to like it's kind of like strip poker, but they ask you questions and you take off your clothes and then you end up in underwear, which Basically, is very funny because you're really freaked out because you're in underwear as opposed to if it was a bathing suit, you'd probably be fine sitting there. Which yes, it's ridiculous. These but- are this
3: sounds like very high stakes, <laughs> honestly. <laughs>
2: but it was it was so intense, and I did this thing, and it it does it has this ability. You really feel revealed, and some of the other women, some of them are super heavy, some of them you know, ours and tattooed and, you know, trans and, you know, all kinds of stuff that, you know, wasn't my life. But it made me very vulnerable and also exposed. And I exposed a lot of stuff, a lot of shame, a lot of embarrassment about, you know, I was obsessed with food for a long time. And I realized, because you mentioned the mental thing, I realized that because I was so extreme in the way that I used to eat and I was no fat or I was you know I was whatever I was doing because I did all kinds of crazy diets um they were they were actually causing me to be mentally so insecure I was feeling so so it was this constant so anyway in I ended up in my underwear and I did reveal a lot of stuff that I don't think I would have done otherwise it was really It was cathartic and scary, yeah, and super scary. But it was interesting, and I brought it up because a a lot of those women were and and men, you know, they would they had all kinds of body shapes, and it was that you know they were beautiful. They had beautiful stories to tell. So who are we to?
4: Well, that's what we're going to Judge doing today. if they're, you know, so if, if the first, metric is happening. You're going first. Start the story. Take, start with your hat. We're going to be naked by the time. Everyone's going to turn around and go, why are they sitting there with no clothes on? By we're, the way, I had like
2: two sets of socks on and a bunch of sco- I was when you so nervous it, yeah. about it. I was like, oh my God. And I was so hot
3: that okay. I was actually
2: quite happy to take it off.
3: You talk about being obsessed with food. I remember when we first met, you told me a story Uh-oh. about the first time your kids ate sugar. It was at oh, like yeah. somebody's birthday party. Right. And they yeah. had birthday cake and they had never had sugar, sugar before. Right. I thought that was so awesome <laughs> when I heard it. And now I kind of go like, I can't restrict stuff from my kids because no, then they discover it. It becomes, it, you have, you don't have control. Well, it, it,
2: it Luckily it happened early enough that you realize, oh, this is part of their childhood. Right. Because if I look back on my childhood, I ate really well because my parents were obsessed with food. But, you know, I ate a lot, ton of sugar and I ate whatever I wanted because I I also grew up in the 70s where food was food and, you know, probably we talk about this like a McDonald's hamburger was probably a hamburger. Now we don't – not sure what it, it really right.
3: is. It's Even yoga I, mats. Yeah. <laughs> and beef – Right. Pink beef swirl.
2: <laughs> oh it's so bad. It's a,
3: it's a
4: rough deal is what yeah. it is.
2: Yeah. So uh, that story is when Dree, who is now 33 years old, was like two. It was actually – it was an Easter party. Okay. And Jane Fonda gave her a chocolate egg. And I – my heart started to beat. <laughs> and I was so like,
1: fuck. Right.
2: You know, it's like she – would had breast milk and whatever I made and churned up and, you know, ground up carrots or whatever. And I said "Did you?" I go, uh, she's uh, she she never really had sugar before. so And she thought it was so funny. So she unwrapped, I mean, she made it, she was maniacal. She's like devil, devil woman came into her. And she's like, it's okay. It'll be good for her. Right. Well, what was really funny is, so Dree like takes it. And she puts it in her mouth and her face gets kind of squinched up and she takes Jane's hand and she spits really grossly, <laughs> spits it back into her hand because she'd never tasted it before and it tasted weird to her. Yeah. Um, I was so proud. <laughs> yeah. I was so proud. But I also realized in that moment that there was something about her doing that, which I get she was trying to say, hey, you know, life's going to happen. Yeah. and And she's right and the truth is i remember whenever i was away like if i had to make a film and i wasn't here and i thought what whatever happens when i'm not here is not my business right. you know they have to have the journey that they have to have and you know they would come back from birthday parties and be like climbing the walls and acting like sugar freaks and yeah. you know you just deal with it but they would always go i don't like it when i eat so much sugar i right. don't feel good it doesn't so feel you have good. to you have to allow them to have the experience but when you that's a whole parenting thing. It's like when you say no, I mean the last thing you can do to a kid is tell them what to – It just can't do it, especially when they become teenagers. It's like a joke.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like really? They're going to gravitate towards whatever you say don't yeah. do.
2: Yeah. It's such – it's, it's hard.
3: Yeah. I used to spend a lot of time thinking – Life would be so easy if sugar and wheat and high fructose corn syrup didn't exist, and I would be fine. All of my problems would go away, and it's just not the case. <laughs> I, know, I would right? figure out something else to
4: abuse.
2: Exa- well, exactly. It,
4: it, it's bizarre That's that fine. those things exist. I'm like, people make food with poison in it? I I had a nephew. Uh, have a He had a pack of chocolate swirl cookies, and he's ready to sit down and throw those things down with some milk. And he said, how come you don't eat cookies? I'm like, uh, the sugar's not good for you. It's not even. I don't even know if there's sugar. I'm, I'm like, here's the deal. You eat that, and by the time you're in your 30s, you're gonna start taking medication if you keep eating that. I said it's sort of set up that way. I kid you not. We turn it over to look at the ingredients, and the cookies were made by Pfizer. I was like, I don't need to go any further. He was like 15 years old. He couldn't believe it. I go, you know who Pfizer is? He's like, yeah, they make the cookies. They make the And they're going to make the drugs out of it. It was insane. It was insane looking at it. But, you know, he's like, well, how do you make raw ice cream? Because they make raw ice cream. I'm like, it's just milk, cream, and sugar. I get raw milk and cream and sugar. And he says, uh, well, how come when you look at the the ice cream in the store, it's got like 20 ingredients, Red Lake 40 and all these weird things, you know, xanthin gum. I'm like, somebody's making money off of that. And if it's less than 1% of the ingredient, they act like that's going to be okay. But what happens is, like you brought up wheat, wheat ends up being everything. So if it's all 93% of the crops are sprayed by Roundup, uh, with Roundup, then you're 1% in your sandwich, you're 1% in your cookies, you're 1% in your – next thing you know, you're 10% Roundup guy. I wonder why I'm getting cancer. Why am I getting sick? How does this – like to my brain, is this like, Really? Yeah, That's I,
2: why we get so obsessed with like just eating locally. I'm sorry I didn't
3: – I get hopeful. There is a part of me that gets hopeful that the beginning of this was, you know, the Great Depression, people are starving, there's no money, we have to do something. What do we right, do? Let's right. start subsidizing food. And nobody's looking at 60, 70 years into the future when we have an epidemic of ob- obesity because – Food is so cheap. We've continued right. to do everything possible. And bad possible. food is
2: the cheap food.
3: Right. Yeah. You go to the gas station and for $2 more, you could have enough calories to suit you for the rest of the week. Yeah. And that's a snack, right? Yeah. That you consume it as a snack. I'm very hopeful that that's how it started. But I totally concede to your point that that's how it is.
4: Because of the money.
3: I mean, at the end if of the day. It has
2: to be something. You I, know, I it, think
3: it began as a real problem that had to be addressed. I think so
2: too. And I think there was crisis in this country and that's what it – you know it led to. And We were this great country that came up with solutions. Yeah. And now the solutions, we just – we don't want to give them up because they make – because they're – I don't know. They make us money or we're just too lazy to get rid of them. Yeah. We do a funny thing. When we go on road trips, whenever we go into a gas station, we'll just like go in and like – you see those – big pink snowballs and we're like, read the ingredients. It's like, and see you which ha, see like, which has the worst not,
4: ingredients or things a, that you've never none seen of before. It yeah.
2: Is even pronounceable. Do you even know it's none of its food. It's like, wow. Yeah. Towards the end, there was like coconut, <laughs> coconut flavoring.
3: <laughs> right. I love Michael Pollan's book where he talks about yes. bread and it's like the legal definition in this country at one point was, for bread and there was a legal definition and it was flour, salt and water. Yes. And then a couple of years later, Wonder Bread said, hey, we have to add stuff so that it can sit on the shelf longer. For a long time, yeah. And so like yeah. at some point, the legal definition was 33 ingredients and then yeah. it was like, oh, but – these consequences are now. There's no vitamins in the bread, so we're going to start adding vitamins, but it's all out of whack.
2: We would really love to see us kind of go back inside to our own, com- our own communities because I think that that's, I think that's the future of health is going back to how you know small farming and all that stuff.
1: It's like a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance.
2: I'm not opposed to eating meat anymore, which, you know, my – don't get mad at me, my old vegan people, my supporters. But, you know, if you eat ethically – and that's a different conversation when you really – Tell
4: them where when you, get, you really, them, get,
2: get your bison. Yeah. Uh, North, Star North Star bison. North Star. They're you know? out of Wisconsin. Yeah. They're amazing. 2,500
4: acres. Elk and elk and buffalo. And they so care free.
2: about – they really care about the – yes, they are slaughtering them, but ethically, and they're out there on a huge ranch running around. I mean they're treated really well. So it's – you know, yeah, and I'm a, a – yeah, I grew up a, as a carnivore because I grew up in Idaho, and I used to hunt with my dad and and fish, and it, it, It's it's an interesting conversation. Food is so –
3: Well, you know, it's a wild position to even be in where we can think about or discuss food as much as we do. I know. You know, like the collapse of Rome had certain things where they started to become obsessed with their food then too. That's that's (laughs) not necessarily a causation. It's just an interesting fact that when Rome was really declining, they were food obsessed, you know, and they had all this kind of – ability to sit back and be super concerned with their food it is a really weird thing to do it's un unlike
4: any other point well in it's history. a luxurious
2: problem right it's a rich people's problem yeah you know oh, that's, to, what you, that's what that's to a certain listen agree
4: a couple hundred thousand people it's called 200 300 i don't know what the numbers are with covid how about the 11 million people that die a year from food want to talk about that is that and an epidemic? Listen, 11 million people a year die because of the food that they eat.
3: And by the way, there are also still millions of people who starve to death every yes. year in this planet that we, uh, that where we throw away enough food bizarre. to feed them. Oh, I know. Bizarre. I know. The whole just, thing is it's bizarre. wild.
2: It's wildly out of whack. To your point, it's like, what are, wait a second. We're, obs- we're obsessing about our food and our gluten and our this and our that and our wild crafted and whatever. And there are people that are starving. That and would there give are people anything are to are have...
3: overeating and and yes. killed from other things. Like the whole ecosystem Is seems not to be not in, out of balance, functioning in the way that.
2: Well, and I think that that's also the reason why we do, we, we suffer so much from a pandemic, because we're out of balance. Right. We're out of balance, so how can we how can, as a race as a whole human race, how can we find that balance if we're completely not you know everybody does something different and we're all it's just it's it's hard and yet we're individuals, so we all have a different path
3: yeah yeah and and I get really tripped up thinking about weight loss and tr- and Having the idea that any portion of this is to be inspiring for somebody who has the goal to lose weight, who has had failures or who has the fear to fail so they're not even starting. And the the pressures I feel is one, I don't want to make it – I don't want to create a barrier from cost. So I don't want to make it like, well, weight loss is really expensive. Because I really don't believe that's true. I
2: don't think it's true at all.
3: No. And then there's the other one where I go, if we just do – it's all just white knuckle and hard work, then we lose sight of the fact that because of historical famines, people metabolize food differently to your point, have different levels of satiation and different levels of hunger. There is no like – standard
4: for these things it's based on blood type environment heritage workload right all of those things and of course sleep and stress and you can keep adding the emotional stuff that goes into it but those things are the basics yeah
2: here's what it comes down to it's lack of education it's nobody's fault that's what they're telling you do it do it and they're always healthy beautiful people eating papa john's instead of what the, the reality is people out there Eating so, it aren't so what healthy you're
4: doing? or whatever. Super important. It is super important. You reach important. one person. Super important.
3: Yeah. And I don't want anybody to think they can't eat Papa John's or they can't take yeah. a statin. But I completely yeah. agree that they should know that if they potentially stop eating Papa John's, they might not need the statin.
2: We have a friend who has younger kids and they were coming back from – They went to Boulder for Christmas and they were coming back and they, you know, in the car, like, what do you wish they taught you in school? You know, and the thing is, like, why didn't they teach us how to eat? Why didn't they teach us about our, how our bodies work? My biggest thing on, on food when it comes to like being in the, being in the hospital, I mean, I, my ex husband had cancer and he had a surgery, this was years ago, and he had a surgery you know a major surgery on the top of his head they got they took a tumor out of his top of his head and the first meal that they brought him after this insane he's you know he's bandaged up and he looks horrible feels horrible whatever he's on all kinds of drugs and they bring this meal in and it's a it's a piece of chicken that looks like it's been boiled or microwaved or i mean it looks it's just a white kind of thing like it looked like rubber green jello Mashed potatoes, and
4: chocolate cake,
2: chocolate cake, and a thing of milk, and coffee, and a cup of coffee, a bad coffee, right? right. And I went in, I was furious. I was like, "This, this is where you're going to put." I mean, because meanwhile, after that, I said, "Please don't do chemotherapy and radiation. Let's try to address this through cutting out sugar." You know, whatever. I had, I had an idea of what I thought might work, which actually worked, but. They were this is our this is nutrition nutritionist approved and it's on the food parent. I was like, y'all are crazy. You're trying to tell me that green jello is like a vegetable? Because it's green? <laughs> you
3: need something green, Maribel. Yeah. I think there's something uh-huh. to also the fact that the accumulation of fat and uh, fatigue and stress on the body that I think eating poorly can have takes time. So yes. y- you wake up one day after years of doing something and it's like, well, no, I feel fine, but yeah. if you clean your system out a bit, if you eat less, if you get healthy, if you get more active, that I think it's really only at that point that you can notice what putting some of that stuff into your body. And again, totally anecdotal, but my experience has been if I go on a bender for a week Day two, I'm hungover from the food. By day seven, it's like just normal you're slapping, life. You're yeah.
4: slapping your kids around, screaming at people. <laughs> Probably, but but it's
3: right. but I'm not even aware of that anymore. Right. It's just become like, well, this is noisy.
4: Now. She calls it noisy food. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. it it takes it takes you over. Yeah, And you don't even realize it.
3: Yeah, you, you I had know. no idea when I was five hundred pounds.
4: You were 500? 550.
3: Wow. No way. Yeah. I didn't – I wasn't eating and feeling crappy. I just – that was just life. But I also
4: – My wrestling partner and uh, – Did you in, in not G-
2: know what it was like to feel – When you started getting held? Healthy- – I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was but just going to say you- my
4: wrestling partner in college weighed 480. I was the only one that could run around the room with him on my back. Wow. So you would have been <laughs> my wrestling partner. Yeah.
2: Well, but but my question is – when you started to clean up and clear your body, and it start, you started to lose weight, but more importantly, just like eating healthier and being cleaner, did you start feeling different and and realize that you didn't feel good before, or you or you just th- or, or it was the same?
3: There was a lot of stuff that happened over over such a long period of time that I wasn't even necessarily thinking of it in terms of. Look at what I'm doing to myself, such as constant back pain, mm. ah, feet swelling every night, mm-hmm. knees wow. swollen. Like these things, this was just life, right? Wow. Had I woken up, had I not had those afflictions and woken up one day as bad off as I was, it would have been shocking and it would have been like –
2: But it kind of just happened over Very,
3: time. very slowly. But, yeah. And – And then as far as eating goes and the difference that I could notice between eating stuff that was immediately going to work in a positive way in my body versus a negative way in my body, I did basically the first diet of my own determination was a two-month liquid diet. I lost a ton of weight and I was taking handfuls of vitamins and two protein shakes a day. It was like 600 calories for two months. When I started to eat normal food, the girl who's now my wife was making me salads with some lemon on them, right? And I, and I would eat that and I would feel good. Actually, the first one I ate, I got diarrhea almost immediately. And my right. body was like, what's this solid food after two months? We're freaking out. Then I started eating slowly. The first time we went out to dinner – we went to the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, wow. And I ordered a salad, and she was like, I don't know if you should have that dressing. And I was like, how bad could it be? And she said, just get some lemon wedges and some olive, olive oil. oil. That's how I make your salad. And I was like, oh, no, listen, we haven't been out to eat in three months. Right. I'm going to have this salad. And how
4: much How much weight were you down in three months?
3: 85 pounds, 86 pounds. Yeah. I ate this salad, and it was as though I was going blind, like – Almost instantaneously, my eyelids were sticking shut, and my eyes were glazing (laughs) over, and I was having this weird reaction, and she was like, that salad dressing is full of sugar and other stuff. And
2: other stuff we don't even know.
3: And this is the effect it's having on you. Wow, wow, wow. Now, I can eat an ice cream now and not have that happen to me, but I do feel
4: crappy the next day. Right. You
0: know? Right. And so-
4: Maybe you could eat raw ice cream and not feel crappy. Possibly. I bet you you I mean, listen,
3: I can drink- occasionally if I feel real crappy in the gym, I drink a Gatorade with sugar and I feel better. And then I have no hangover. I'm putting all of that. sugar Have you heard immediate about this use.
2: stuff called LMNT? No. It is an electrolyte drink. Oh yes. I, I know. Oh that my stuff. God. Yes. It's so good. Yes.
3: And it's not real high in sugar.
2: No, no. there's no sugar in None. it. They they have no sugar in it, but it's mostly sodium. Right. And we don't realize the uh, the, one. the power of sodium. Like, There's a guy that I uh, started working with recently because I had a hip issue. I was trying to figure it out. Anyway, he's he's a nutritionist. He's really – he's really good. You should have him on your your show because he's super smart about nutrients and he's very good. And he also believes that weight loss is not – weight loss has been made to be like if you want to eat healthy you better have some money because you know he wants to prove that you can that people on no money guy.
3: yeah please put me no in no money
2: no money can go out and and get a healthy you know even if they go to fast food he he can help you to make the right choices you know it's always that conversation that's going on in your head and and women do this to and, and i'm sure guys do it too but women do this where we're like that's why i i think I weighed myself 35 years ago because I was like, this messes with my head. I can't do this.
3: Well, I think it's an interesting metric to use. But again, it's a metric. And if we're not very clear with what we want from our bodies and we're not on a plan that will get us those specific things, then it's very difficult to go like, was that water? Was that lean tissue water and fat or was it fat because i don't ever i never went on a diet going i want i'm just looking to dehydrate myself right? <laughs> but i did that a lot yeah that was right. many diets
2: <laughs> right but right. that was
3: never my intention my intention was always let's well, I'm gonna lose get...
2: fat but hey. you don't realize and 90 percent of weight loss in the beginning is water right it's water 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 and then you're not you're not re-implementing it. You're not re-putting it because you're, but we need water. Yeah. But that's what's so interesting about it. He got me on this LMNT that has so much sodium and he has me taking salt tablets. I was like, well, this is crazy. But I have to tell you the cl- all of a sudden you have such clarity. And I knew that I do real salt, that Redmond's real salt.
3: Yeah, me too. It's the best. It's
2: the best. Yeah. But I would do a little bit in water, but – I didn't realize how much sodium we actually need.
3: Guys, thank you so much. Hi, you, for Ethan, having thank us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And now for the Q&A. Kevin has
1: a question for you. Hi, Kevin. Is it Connolly? I don't think so. Fair. You talk about biking to lose weight when you first started. And I'm wondering what bike you rode in the beginning at the heavier weight. I am 399 now and steadily losing and I want to get into riding for cardio but the bike tires on all the bikes I've tried go flat when I get on making it near impossible to ride. Hmm, what's
3: his name? Is it a him?
1: It's Kevin. Oh, this is Kevin. Yeah. Sorry Kevin.
3: Thanks for the question Kevin. Yeah. Uh the first I can I'm not totally sure what my weight was when I started riding bikes. The first bike I I started riding was a real clunky, you know, rusty beach cruiser that we just had in my garage. And, and then I graduated to a mountain bike simply because, uh, the, the, the tires, um, you know, and I didn't check any of the, the max weights on any of these things, but I went and got a mountain bike because the tires were gigantic and I just felt safer on them. And when I finally graduated to a road bike, I was still very big. And I remember the first bike I ever rode was a, a steel framed Jamis. Jamis was the brand of the bike. And they made a a very light steel frame bike that seemed to work fine for me and then i graduated from that to carbon fiber fiber i have absolutely no idea what the strength of any of these bikes were but i will say there is certainly a bike that can support your weight and i think at what did he say 390 uh, yes. At, at that weight, I wouldn't worry about getting like a super light bike with tiny, thin road tires. Get a get a mountain bike with big, knobby tires. Those those always seem more durable to me. And cruise around on that. And you know, if you, I, I mean, I have no idea. Maybe they make road bikes for 4390 three ninety. I don't know, but I I don't think I was on a thin tired road bike until I was. Lighter than that. Thank you for your question, Kevin. If you have a question you would like me to answer on this podcast, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.